This episode is brought to you in partnership with Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. CBTS is a confessional Reformed Baptist seminary which provides affordable online theological education to help the church in its calling to train faithful men for the gospel ministry. They are fully accredited by the Association of Reformed Theological Seminaries. You can learn more about them at their website, cbtseminary.org. Covenant Podcast exists to equip listeners with theological content from a 1689 Baptist perspective. We pray you find this resource edifying, faithful to Scripture, and Christ-exalting. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Covenant Podcast. Austin McCormick here with my co-host, Jimmy Johnson. Today, we have the privilege to talk to Daniel Funke, John and John William Noble, and we're going to be talking about their project and their publishing company, Parisia Books. So uh, can you each tell us a little bit about yourselves, your ministries, where and how you are currently serving the Lord? And um, yes, uh, I think John William was going to get started with this question. Yeah, so my name's John William. Uh, I'm currently based in a, a city in the northeast of Scotland called Aberdeen. So I began a, a church planting work here in the spring of last year in 2019. We were sent by Grace Baptist Church Edinburgh to begin Grace Baptist Church Aberdeen. And we've come to a, a specific area in the city where we've sought to reach them with the gospel. So we've at different times distributed tracts or invitations to services. We have been blessed to have a, a slow but still growing membership in our church. We began with seven committed people in our in our group and we constituted as a church last year. And even recently we, we baptized a brother who will be welcomed into membership and we're then going to have 14 members in our church and I, I guess in the context of churches in America, that would sound quite small. But just to give some context in Scotland, there's a, an increasing apathy towards the gospel across this country. And, and even within Christian circles, there's an increasing wave of pragmatism and liberalism in a number of denominations. And so we're very serious and focused about being clear in what we believe. So we would be a confessional church. We're Reformed and Baptist in our doctrine. We're evangelistic, and especially in terms of our methodology. We would go out and preach the gospel in the streets of the city, and we would go to do door-to-door -door and try to engage people with the message of the gospel. And that's a, that's a hard work, but it is what we believe we're commanded to do in Scripture. And I'm very thankful for committed members in our church who are not only growing as disciples and serious about membership, but they are committed in seeking to reach people with the gospel. So that's a little bit about what I do as a, as a church planter, as the pastor of this church. Another thing just to mention, uh, last year I, I began discussions with uh, another church in Aberdeen about beginning a Christian school in the city. So with the, the, the increasing apathy and liberalism and even the apostasy that we see and the ways by which the government are, are, are attacking 
biblical values. We believe that Christian education and Christian schools are increasingly important. Uh, and so we're in the process of trying to get a, a Christian school set up because of the all the stuff that's happened this year. That's been a little bit delayed. But in more recent times, we've started to gain momentum. We've got a group of parents who've expressed interest. So that school is going to be called Melville Knox Christian School Aberdeen. So we very much value prayer for that. Uh, I'm married. My wife's called Binglin. She's from China. And we've got two young children, a son called Amos, who's nearly four, and a daughter called Andian, which is the Chinese name for Grace. And she's just over the age of one. And my name is Daniel. I'm originally from Germany. I'm married now to a woman from California. And we've been married now for about seven and a half years. And we're hoping soon to foster and then adopt a newborn. And we've been in our current uh, ministry setting, we've been for about three years now, which is in Glasgow, which is another big city in uh, Scotland. In fact, it's the largest city in Scotland. And we were sent here by the same sending church as um, as, as John William was part of and sent out from uh, the Grace Baptist Church in Edinburgh. And they sent us out here at the end of um, 2017 to replant a Reformed Baptist Church. And that's what we've been engaged in. And in terms of kind of our ministry focus, it wouldn't be identical with, uh, with John William and the guys up in Aberdeen, but it would be very, very similar, especially if you have a large spectrum of churches, you'd say, okay, they're very, very close in, in terms of what they're doing, in terms of the things that they're emphasizing. And uh, so we're, we're, we're happy to serve the Lord here. It's often been very difficult in part significantly because we, we share that apathy that we see throughout Scotland and throughout much of the West today toward the gospel and, and growing hostilities against the gospel. Uh, but we're very happy to serve the Lord here where we are. And, and we do appreciate prayer for the ongoing work, uh, not just of us here or John William over there, but uh, the gospel work in, in, in general and for us particularly in terms of Reformed Baptist churches who tend to be very, very small and can be quite isolated here in Scotland. Yes, and what we're going to be talking about, as you guys know, your, your publishing company that you've, been, that you've started, Parasia, and some of the projects that you guys have um, are intending to start and bring to fruition. So can you just answer the question of what is Parasia and what led you to start this company? So just to give a, a, a brief background and slightly relates to what we've already shared, Daniel and I knew each other when we were both in Aberdeen. This was before either of us became pastors. So we've, we've been friends for a number of years. And then I, I was serving as a pastor in, in another city called Edinburgh and Daniel and his wife moved to Edinburgh. And we so we, we kind of maintained quite close contact and friendship. And it was it was yeah two years ago that I was working on a, a book which has now been published by Whipfenstock called Biblical Marriage, Two Sinners and a Gracious God. And I, I spoke to Daniel about this project because I knew he had been working at the Banner of Truth and he'd done a lot of editing and typesetting type work with them. And he kindly offered to do the typesetting for this even before I, I sent it to, to any publishers uh, for it to be published. And 
I, I realised at this point that Daniel not just had an eye for this, he had a, a talent, a, a, a gift at doing this work. And during the process of Daniel working on the, the book that I had, I had written, he also shared with me a, a kind of hope, vision, if you like, about bringing out uh, an edition of the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. And he told me about a project that he'd been working on with the Banner of Truth, the Westminster Standards, which included their confession with the scripture proofs. And he told me that there wasn't such a thing in print of our Baptist confession. And when I heard this, I, I was quite surprised. I assumed that somewhere around the world there would be something like this in print. I mean, there's lots of editions of the confession. But when I found out there wasn't one with scripture proofs, and when we also began to discuss the possibility of bringing out one that would be of, of a high quality as a, as a published work, I thought that this would be a really good and successful idea. But we obviously needed to come up with a plan to get this idea out there. So we discussed a few things. And one thing we wanted to do was possibly look into starting a publishing company even further down the line. But we kind of thought we need to see how successful this confession project is does it get support are people interested in it so what we did we did two things kind of together we planned to launch the proposed confession on kickstarter and we also established ourselves as a as a publisher called parousia and we aimed to see how successful this would be and if it was successful we were going to then be more of an established publisher with a view to becoming a, a limited company, getting a bank account set up and beginning to discuss and plan the possibility of releasing other publications going forward. And when we launched the Kickstarter, I, I was probably more hopeful than Daniel because it was his idea, perhaps, that this would be a success. So we set a, a rather low target we needed at least £3,000, obviously this is British currency, to, to be able to get this to, to, to be printed so that we could cover costs at least. And we managed to raise that within 33 hours of launching. So it was obviously quite successful. And we've had people all around the world, a number of very kind of prominent people in Reformed Baptist circles, give their support, share this project, give, give financial backing. And we're, we've been introducing stretch goals because this has been so successful. And, and we're, we're very thankful for that. Uh, another brief thing to say just regarding the publishing company, the, the name we have is parousia, which is the, a Greek word we see in scripture, which basically literally means to speak the word with simplicity and with boldness. And this is something that we would aim to do as a, as a publisher, not just in releasing the confession, but any works we produce. We want to be in line with our Reformed and Baptist doctrine. And we also would like to produce and bring out materials, books that are speaking the word or in the context of reading it in a way that's simple but bold. So following off of that answer, um, what are some of your goals? You mentioned uh, that you surpassed your first stretch goal. What are some of your goals with Paracia, um, 
And so now this is your opportunity to plug your publishing company. Tell us what you want us to know about uh, your projects. And additionally, how can listeners support the goals and um, the projects that you have forthcoming? Yeah, thanks, Austin, for that question. We have, just in the short term, we essentially have the goal of, of publishing and having in print two books, uh, one of which is the one John Williams mentioned already, the, a new edition of the 1689 Confession of Faith, uh, which we're uh, basing very strictly on the text as it was originally written back in 1677, only making very, very minor adjustments. And when, and when we say we're only making minor adjustments, people normally tend to think we're making more radical changes than we actually are. And the hope there is to publish a book that is of historical significance. It is a historical document in one sense, and yet it is still relevant for many churches today. As, as you guys know, there are many churches who hold to the 1689 Confession, who subscribe to it, who see in it that doctrinal standard. And so we wanted to publish that edition that as John Williams said, is, is of, of good quality, that, that looks good and, and that will last a while because we're not trying to publish a book. And, and there's a difference between publishing something confessional and publishing you know, any other book, whether it's a novel or whether it's a, a doctrinal uh, treatise on anything. We wanna publish something that people don't just read through once, but that they'll use continually in their homes and in their churches. And so that's one of that, that's a one big project. And then alongside that, we're, we're hoping to have in print again in the spring, a companion paperback that originally we were looking at two documents to, to include in that paperback. One was the Baptist Catechism. And the other one is a, is a short book written by Benjamin Keach, A Short Confession of Faith. And now having surpassed one of our stretch goals, we're planning to include uh, an Orthodox Catechism by Hercules Collins. So in the short term, those are the two projects that, uh, that we're planning to have in print in early in the spring um, next year. And, and if, if you are wanting to support that, you, you can at, at this moment still uh, until the 12th of December, 2020, I uh, just want to make sure anybody listens to this in five years time, they don't mistake this for a live campaign. And until the middle of December, 2020, people can uh, support us on Kickstarter. If you go to Kickstarter and type in 1689, uh, you'll, you'll find us, you'll see us. Um, but then long-term beyond that, we are hoping to be a, a useful publisher that, that would be a blessing uh, to churches, uh, churches in Scotland, churches in America, churches uh, wherever there are English speakers that would be interested in reading books written um, in at least, at least not contradictory to the Reformed Baptist, to Reformed Baptist convictions, but uh, mostly written from Reformed Baptist perspectives and distinctives and so we want to uh, we want to publish more books we already have about six books uh, between john william and me uh, that were that we're hoping to see in print uh, there's an, a number of projects that we would like people to write on uh, some areas where there's not as much material out there as there maybe should be uh, today for the church and for christians today whether uh, christians who've been um who've been Christians for a long time or, or new Christians, there's a lot of material that could be useful uh, for the church. I think John Williams' book on marriage speaks to that, where he writes a book uh, that is 
that is not written by someone who's been married for 40 years. And yet a book that is immensely practical and that drawing from the Bible has so much wisdom to impart on, on areas that when marriage is discussed are often ignored. And, and so looking at that book, which, which we did not publish, um, and, and, but, but, but which can serve as a blueprint for how useful books uh, can be in the future. Uh, we're also hoping to be helpful to churches evangelistically, uh, which is something that both John William and I share in terms of uh, ministry emphasis. We, we um, have that great burden for evangelism and, and, and we would like to uh, produce resources that can help people in their evangelism. That could be evangelistic tracts and tools and so forth. And so with, with the uh, current projects that we have on, we're hoping to, to be kind of launched into the future where we can be involved in more books and, and more projects. Amen. Amen. Um, both Austin and I love the 1689 Confession. I am currently in the works of publishing a curriculum that's based off of the 1689 Confession with another publisher, but but we do do love the 1689 confession and our entire podcast is from that vantage point. And, and we agree that your project will help get the confession into the hands of potential readers. So what are some ways that you think Christ Church will be benefited from confessionally reformed Baptist resources? So I think this is a... Uh... A really good and important question to to ask and also then to answer in terms of what we're all about as a publisher and i suppose the first point point of port of call with this question is just to talk about the confession itself because obviously we're releasing this i mean we obviously believe that the confession has such significance in terms of baptist history so from a historical point of view, it's it, it's a great book to read and to read around the, the history of how it was put together and even the first Baptist confession, very relevant. But we would also say the confession is so fundamentally important for churches today. So what we mean when we talk about being a confessional church, as Daniel and I's churches are, is that to be confessional is giving clarity to what we believe. And this is something that I passionately would declare churches must be clear on in terms of their doctrine and by which the word of God is preached and believers are to be discipled. It, churches and websites or in constitutions or whatever, they may have their, their abstract statements of faith. But when we talk about being serious about the whole counsel of God, we must be narrow in terms of our doctrine and not working with broad and vague strokes with scripture. I mean, this is this is clear. So we would absolutely declare this in terms of the purpose of bringing out this resource and future resources that are also in line with this. Another thing in terms of our confession and being a confessional church, therefore, is that this is a means of defining truth against error. I mean, this is what it means to be confessional. I mean, it's not to say that every theological tradition is an error, but what we do see in, in churches in Western society, there's an increasing wave of pragmatism and there's a, a no cost, low commitment, seeker sensitive, high gain brand of Christianity that's become popular even within mainstream evangelical Christianity. And from a local church level, 
the confession and resources from a confessional standpoint are pointing to some of the things that Daniel said we would be looking to promote and hope to see blessing local churches. So, for example, in our churches, we're serious about church membership. In our, in our church in Aberdeen, we have an eight-week membership course. This is about establishing what we believe and our confessional position and giving members a copy of our confession and suggesting resources, whether it's resources we've published in the future or other resources in line with our confessional position are a means by which people can have a, a deeper understanding and insight into what the Bible says, what we believe the Bible says, and what it means to apply the truths of Scripture in our lives as Christians in our contemporary society. And so when we talk about discipleship, when we talk about the importance of baptism, when we talk about what it means to be reformed, we don't just want to be sounding academic. We want to be producing resources that are also accessible at a pew level for people in churches like ours or churches like yours in America that are accessible, readable, and they are also in some ways practical. And so these would be some of the things that we would be looking to move towards and why we would certainly say the church can in many ways be benefited by confessionally Reformed Baptist resources. Amen to that. Amen. And may God grant that end and that goal that you guys have, uh, not only in your ministry context, but with this publishing company and the and the works that you desire to share with others. And one of those works that you uh, previously mentioned was the proposed paperback, which includes the Baptist Catechism and uh, a short confession of faith written by um, Benjamin Keach. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your interest in Benjamin Keach. Uh, Jimmy and I, or Jimmy mentioned that we both love the 1689. We also love to study Benjamin Keach. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your interest in Keach and what impact he has had both on your lives, your ministries, and the goals that you have for this project. You know, Benjamin uh, Keach is someone who I think a, a lot of Reformed Baptists would be familiar with, at least by name, because he's associated with the Baptist Catechism, which is often known as uh, Keach's Catechism. And for a long time, I thought, well, okay, this is a catechism written by Keach. Uh, it, actually, it actually isn't. Uh, I'm sorry to disappoint you if you're listening to this and you thought, okay, Keach, Keach wrote this. Uh, he did not, but but he he was sort of the entry for me into in, in, into trying to figure out well who who is this man Benjamin Keach? He was an influential uh, pastor among uh, London-based particular Baptists in the uh, kind of second half uh, of the 17th uh, century. Um, he was uh, someone who, who pastored a church, a congregation in Horsley Down, which still continues to this day, a congregation does, and uh, which has seen a number of very influential pastors over the centuries, uh, Gill, uh, Rippon, Spurgeon, and uh, at present, Peter Masters, uh, which, which some people might be familiar with. He just concluded, uh, he just... Um, uh, uh, he, he's just celebrated his 50-year anniversary of being a pastor of that church, still continues to pastor the church, which is a 
a great achievement in a day and age where uh, things are changing very, very quickly for the most part. Um, and and ben, one of the things Benjamin Keach did was he wrote a lot. He wrote a lot of books. And so for, for me, it was interesting to see, okay, there, there's someone who was, who was influential and who wrote a lot of stuff and, and I was interested in it. And um, here's, a fun, here's a fun little story. When I started to work at the Banner of Truth, I was still finishing my last semester of, uh, of studying theology in Aberdeen. So I, I was living in Edinburgh, I was working in Edinburgh and every now and then I would go up for a day to Aberdeen to, to uh, attend a seminar or, or meet with a supervisor on a research project. And at the time, uh, while I was working at the banner, I had all these old books in my office, uh, books, books written in the 1600s, published in the 1600s, old books lining uh, the walls on my office. And, uh, and, and that piqued my interest, you know, could, could, could I have access to something that Benjamin Keach wrote and published? And so I, I went on our university library website and I typed in his name and I'm not 100% sure which book I looked at, um, but I, I applied to get access to one of Benjamin Keach's books. Uh, I think it was The Marrow of True Justification. And um, I was granted access. And so we, we were brought down into this little special room where you had to sign everything and had to turn off your cell phone. And then you sat down and you held a book in your hand that was over 300 years old, the first edition of something Benjamin Keach published. But it was exciting for me because here was someone who, when, when my reading at the time was dominated by Presbyterians, especially, uh, which I think is the case for a lot of Reformed Baptists, where we automatically look to Presbyterians. Uh, here was someone who's a Baptist who made a significant contribution to, um, to doctrinal discussions on topics like, for example, uh, justification. They also had his particularities as a Reformed Baptist, not everybody agreed with him within his own circles. Uh, he was someone who, for example, pushed for hymn singing, which is something that most of us are taking for granted today. Most of us today think that hymns are old fashioned and out of date. Uh, when Benjamin Keach was around, it was the new uh, thing that uh, a lot of people were skeptical over. And he pushed for it. I think we can look back and be thankful for someone like him in, in, in helping us to think through things like uh, hymn singing and, uh, and, and other emphases. Let me, let me say just one more thing about Benjamin Keach, and that's having to do with the book, that uh, a book of his that we're looking to publish, A Short Confession of Faith, the articles of faith that he wrote for um, on the context of his congregation. And, um, and, and reading that document, you see someone who's a great theologian, but you also see someone who's a great pastor, uh, who, who, who had a great burden for his people, who had a desire to see his people embrace sound doctrine, to grow in the grace and knowledge of their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and to live out uh, their Christian values. And it's not a long book, but, but working through the book, and, and, and I wonder if John William probably shares similar thoughts, uh, one of the things I came away with is is a desire to be a better pastor, and 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 to to love uh, the my fellow church members more, and to serve them more, and to help them more wherever I can. And so I think uh, Benjamin Keach is a guy that that people should read, 
uh, that, that people should engage with. And, and I think they'll be blessed by uh, what he's left us. Just to add to that, I mean, I, I would certainly echo some of what Daniel said in terms of my my thoughts and the impact that Benjamin Keach has had. But I, a couple of other things for me. I mean, one thing that seems very clear and and I should say, I, I, I do think it's it's very valuable for Christians to be reading bi biographies and reading of, of men of God in history. And for looking at Benjamin Keach, he was a man of convictions. He, he very much lifted his head above the parapet and, and stood by them. And I think one thing that people, unless they really study this part of, of church history, don't realize is that Baptists faced much ridicule and difficulty, particularly because they were being associated with more uh, Arminian and, and rebellious groups at this time. And Benjamin Keach very much stood for his Puritan orthodoxy, but as a Baptist, and that was a rare thing. And these, especially the first confession in particular, was basically a means of establishing this is actually what we believe and we are actually in line with much of what Reformed Christians believe at this time. And, and, and so to, to realize the, the context of Benjamin Keach's works and to look at him and how he stood by his convictions, I think this is something that really does challenge and, and in some ways motivate me because I, I believe we need more of this in our contemporary society where men of God, pastors, church leaders, are standing upon what they believe from the scriptures, even if it means literally being put in the stocks as it was for him. Uh, and another quick thing to say, and it kind of ties into the last point Daniel made, Benjamin Keach was very strong on membership. So he had a love for his people. This comes across in the work that we're, we're working on just now. And again, from a contemporary setting where if we think in, in modern day, terms people can listen to great sermons on the internet like that i speak to people sadly all too often who a uh, celebrity pastor in america is their pastor and they don't do local church or local church membership i would say look at what somebody like benjamin keach wrote and look at what he stood for as a pastor and look at the importance and the significance of pastoring a church and being in membership in a church, submitting to the authority of a church, being discipled and being blessed to have Christian fellowship in a local church setting. And it's something that really comes across very strongly with Benjamin Keach. And, and, and so I think on both a historical level, but also in a, in a contemporary application setting, there is much we can learn from how Benjamin Keach approached his ministry and from his writings. Yeah, I've found this conversation that we've been having to be encouraging, and I am excited about your projects personally, and then I'm sure Austin is too as well. Um, but before we conclude, could you give some final encouragement to our audience as it relates to the project and just more generally? Yeah, one of uh, I think one of the great encouragements for us has been um, – seeing how close-knit the Reformed Baptist community actually is. And, 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 and we aren't perfect at it. There are times when we can be very uh, divisive and we don't get along with uh, one another. We don't get along with the people that we should get along with the most. But it's been such an encouragement to us personally 
to be able to connect uh, with with uh, like-minded uh, Christians in in other countries, you know, in, in, including the U.S., but but in many other countries as well, and um, and and seeing people being so supportive of us, uh, not not because we are we're amazing, but because we share uh, something special, uh, which is uh, the most accurate uh, summary of what the Bible teaches, and 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 us holding to that, us us affirming that us uh, loving it and, and trying uh, with with prayer and, and and seeking to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, trying to live it out um, practically. And so that's been such an encouragement uh, to us. And I think it should be encouraging to everybody listening to this, that actually we, we do have a strong community and that we can we can build on that, that, that we can work together, that, that we can labor for one another, that we can pray for one another, and that um, and and that much good can come from that when when we do that. Um, we we have something that 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 we believe in. We believed in it before we had uh, any plans to start a publisher. Um, but but just to have this new edition of the 1689 Confession. Um, so, like I said, we believe in it, and so we'd encourage everybody to 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 buy it if you can, if you're able to, to support our project. Um, but but ultimately, the big encouragement for us has been uh, not so much how much people have supported us financially, uh, but how much people have reached out uh, to encourage us personally and then to take an interest in our ministry. Uh, because we are in Scotland, where I think the largest Reformed Baptist Church has about 30 members, where uh, we can be very isolated, where we can be very lonely, where we deal with great discouragements. And it's been wonderful that people reach out and in, in that way. I don't know, John William, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I mean, before, I mean, in in the northeast of Scotland, growing up, there was no Reformed Baptist Church. This is one of the big reasons why I, I believed it was important that one was planted, which is what we did last year. And un, until recent years, I I knew of very few Reformed Baptists. Then more recently, I started to get to know many in the UK. And then even more recently, I've started to get to know many around the world, particularly through establishing this publisher. So it's been a real blessing not to have the uncertainty of, oh, well, what do you believe on these core issues in Scripture? But to have that that fellowship. And again, because we know our confessional standpoint, we don't need to be establishing this and that because we, we have that as a base. And it's been a real blessing for fellowship that way. We have been talking with Daniel and John William of Parisia. Um, we have been talking about uh, some of the projects that they're going to be working on, as well as some of their ministries. and And we just want to ask our listeners to to pray for them and and to pray for their respective ministries, to pray for their projects. I will have Austin post in the show notes the link to the Kickstarter for for these various projects. And guys, I just want to thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you guys so much. Yeah, thanks for having us. For additional content, check out our blog ministry at covenantconfessions.com. Also, keep up with our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Next, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Lastly, thank you for listening to the Covenant Podcast. 
Grace and peace to you.